Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Ephesians 3, 1-18. 1-13. For this reason, I, Paul, as prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over which I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Annie. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? If you were asked that question by a total stranger coming from a different country who hasn't grown up in the West, in the Bible Belt, has never been to church, never opened the Bible, never heard about Jesus, never heard about God or anything like that, what would your answer to that person be? Now, depending on your experience of God and your reading of scriptures, your answer might be different than uh, another person. But my assumption is that it would be something like this. Well, we are all created in the image of God. We've all sinned and are separated from God as a result. God in his mercy sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, to raise from the dead, as to give us eternal life. If we repent from our sins and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we will have peace with God and we'll enter heaven when we die. Now, this answer is not entirely wrong, but it's partially true. It's not the whole truth about what the gospel is. And the problem that we face in this uh, culture today, and if you especially have been going to a church for a long time, is that we are getting used to this word gospel. We become familiar with it. And one of the problems that we have as a Christian subculture is the fact that we've become transactional when it comes to the gospel. We've uh, reduced the gospel just to a mere transaction that we do with God in order to get something. And Jesus and the gospel have become a byproduct of something else. You see, an author uh, who wrote the book, Before You Share Your Faith, a very small book, very um, helpful to prepare us to witness, says this in his book. Um, it's from Matt 
Smethurst. Becoming a Christian, friend, is not like this. It's not a cold transaction. It's more like getting married, an intensely personal union. You throw yourself on Jesus for mercy. He catches you and never lets go. And for those of you who've entered marriage or into a relationship, you've discovered that there's a lot of mystery to be uncovered because there's so much mystery about knowing one person, not just from a transactional level, but from an intimacy level, from uh, a real deep relationship with real conversation. And you see, if you were to describe what Pensacola is uh, to someone who's never been to Pensacola, but you would describe the city through the lens of a pedestrian who only walks down Palafox Street and uh, Garden or Main Street, your description of Pensacola would be very different than someone who is able to get on a plane and fly over Pensacola, see the water, and, and describe the whole structure and organization of Pensacola as a whole. There's a bird eye view that makes a huge difference. And often when we look at the gospel and what the gospel is, we'll look at it from a, the view of a pedestrian. We've have a, we have our own personal experience of God. We have our own kind of sense of understanding of a scripture. And we want to convey what the gospel is through our own individual experience and not from this whole broader picture of what God has done through history, redeeming a people for himself. Another danger that exists when it comes to answering the question, what is the gospel, is the fact that we have become very familiar with the word gospel. I mean, you hear gospel being used to describe a denomination of a church or a style of preaching or even a style of worship song. You know, they have gospel songs. In France, actually gospel, if you use the word in English, gospel to someone, they will hear they will think you're describing a choir somewhere clapping their hands, singing happy day. Because that's what French people understand. But the gospel is used so much that we've become so familiar with this expression, this uh, description of what God has done, that it can be very detrimental to us in understanding the depth and the power of what God has done through Jesus. Yesterday, as you heard from Pastor Roger, the conference Beloved was happening and I was watching my kids, so I decided to take them to the zoo. And for those of you who know me, you're probably rolling your eyes thinking, oh, okay, of course he took them to the zoo one more time. I, I take my kids to the zoo every week, basically, or every other week. So it was probably the 80th time we went to the zoo. But I was considering the drastic difference between the first time I took them to the zoo and yesterday, the first time I took them to the zoo, right in the lobby in the entrance of the zoo, they were already running around, uh, so excited, in ama uh, amazed at every single detail in the lobby. And then once we stepped into the park, they were in awe of every single attraction, the tigers, the lions, the monkeys, and all that. And yesterday they were like, eh, eh, blah. You know, it, it, all they were paying attention to were the squirrels who were running from one tree to the next. And I'm thinking to myself as a dad, there is a lion, there's a cheetah, there's a, a, you know, a hippopotamus, and all you're paying attention is this uh, squirrel that you can see in our backyard. So thank you for all the gas I spent on bringing you to the zoo. But all that to say that we have also a danger of becoming very familiar to the gospel and how to present the gospel. Yeah, just the gospel, I've heard it. Just believe in Jesus, ask forgiveness, pray the sinner's prayer, you'll go to heaven when you die. And we, we've made this, this super simplistic 
uh, kind of transaction with God in order just to, to get to heaven. And it, it's really taking away the, the depth and the power of what God has done in Jesus and all that, is, um, all that the gospel is entailing when it comes to embracing Jesus. So today, as we look at this section of Ephesians 3, I want to spend some time first at looking what the mystery of the gospel is, and then I want to spend some time looking at the responsibility that we have as believers when it comes to stewarding what Paul calls um, the stewardship of God's grace. So first, what is the mystery of the gospel? There are four characteristics to this mystery. The first one is that this is a mystery because it was hidden for a long time. We read in verse 4, 5 and verse 9 uh, how Paul is describing um, how it was hidden for a long time. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known, verse 5, to the sons of men in other generations, and he has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. You see, it was not made known in other generations. It was kept hidden. And then in verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. It was always God's intention to reveal himself to his creation. But in order to bring a more climactic, full revelation of his person through Jesus, he kept things hidden for a long time. As a way to create anticipation, a sort of tension, a frustration with mankind not being able to be right with God with their own strength by obey, obeying the law. And it's a little bit like the, this uh, shoebox, you know, I've got this shoebox and uh, you look at the shoebox and you see that it's red, so you may think to yourself, okay, it's probably going to be a flashy pair of shoes inside or um, it's, it's the brand new balance, so you can maybe imagine that it's going to be a running shoes uh, or uh, it's going to be, a, maybe it's going to be high heels, <laughs> who knows. Um, you, you don't know exactly what's in the box, but you can spend some time contemplating the box and trying to create scenarios and imagining what I'm going to open and what's going to be inside. And it's a little bit like what God did through the history of Israel. There was a, a mystery that was going to be revealed for Jesus Christ, but for a long time all they had was a box. And they had uh, partial revelations of God through the law, through prophets, through appearances of God. And they had glimpses of God, glimpses of his glory. But still, the anticipation of one day God opening the box and showing what it is. It's a shoe, I know. It's like, it's an aha moment for you maybe this morning. But it's just a pair of tennis shoes. Um, and someone suggested I should have really hidden a pair of high heels. He would have made more of an impression. Maybe next time when I preach. But all that to say that it's, it's a really good um, example of what God did in keeping hidden for a long time this mystery now revealed through Jesus Christ. That's the first characteristic of this mystery. The second characteristic is that it's uh, given by revelation. Verse 3 and 4. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. 
So Paul has been given an insight into the mystery of Christ, but he has been given a revelation of the gospel. Of course, you think of Paul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and Jesus appearing to him very dramatically. And you and I may not have had the same encounter with Jesus, but the bottom line is without a revelation of the mystery of the gospel, we cannot be saved. And the reality is that you can have access to the scriptures, you can go to church your whole life, you can read all the books about Jesus, you can be a great theologian, you can be brilliant in your understanding of the whole theology behind salvation. But if you don't have a revelation, at the end of the day, you cannot be saved because we are born again, not of the flesh, but by the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit that... It's through the work of the Spirit that God redeems us. So we need that revelation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says this in describing how God has revealed himself for Jesus. The Son is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So when you look at the Son, you look at a perfect revelation of God. But what's interesting to notice in verse 2, it says that in the last days, he has spoken through the Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. So God was, was speaking through the prophets, was speaking through the law, was speaking through different interventions in history. But in the last days, God spoke, revealed himself through the Son. When you look at the Son, you have a full picture of God. There's nothing hidden anymore, it's in plain sight. That's the second characteristic of the mystery. The third characteristic is that it is costly. Ephesians 1, 1, uh, Ephesians 3, 1, sorry. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul was in prison when he wrote that letter to the Ephesians. Paul was suffering for the sake of the gospel. And he says in verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul was suffering for the sake of the gospel. The revelation of this mystery had been so costly for Paul. He had been so persecuted and he was now in prison, writing to all these churches, saying, you know, I want you to really stay encouraged because this mystery is so profound, it is so deep, so powerful that it's worth my life. It's worth giving my life for you. It's worth giving my life to the world. It's worth for me risking everything so that this message of the gospel would be revealed to the nations. And the moment we have a revelation of the gospel, the moment we have a revelation of this mystery, it should compel us the same way it compelled Paul. It should bring us to a place where we are willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Now, I'm not wishing suffering on you. Really don't hear... Uh, this and think that I'm, I'm preaching persecution on you right now. I am just implying that sooner or later, if we really embrace this message and have a revelation of a mystery of the gospel, it will lead us to suffer. Maybe because of losing a relationship, losing something very dear to us, making really hard choices about how to stay in um, honoring God but it should really cost us at, in some point. Fourthly, the mystery of the gospel is about new relationships. 
In verse 6, Paul gives a very clear definition of what the mystery is, and he says this, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's sermon, I really want to encourage you to listen to Pastor Brian's sermon on this great building project that God had intended for so long in reconciling Jews and Gentiles and creating a new humanity, a new family that we can all belong to. But that's really a very important reality of a gospel. When I was saying at first in this sermon how sometimes we just describe the gospel as a, as a mere transaction uh, to get to heaven when we die, it really completely alienates the idea of belonging to the family of God, which is part of the gospel. The gospel doesn't move just vertically. It moves horizontally where we understand and embrace the family of God as part of the blessing of the gospel. When you enter in a relationship with God, the Father, you enter into a relationship with your brothers and sisters, whether you like it or not. So you can't say just, I, I love Jesus, I like the idea of Jesus, but I don't like the church. I don't like the idea of committing to a church family. I don't like the idea of having to um, you know, share the same room with brothers and sisters and open my heart and be accountable and sometimes confess what's going on in my life. No, this is part of the result of embracing the gospel. It's about new relationships. And the Jews and the Gentiles in, in Ephesus were hearing this revolutionary message from Paul and were challenged. Oh, if I have an, a revelation of a mystery of the gospel, it means I need to go to my Gentile brother and say, you are my brother. And then the Gentiles had to hear Paul and say, ah, I got to go to these Jewish, Jewish people and say, you know what? You're my brother. Let's break bread together. Let's celebrate what Christ has done. It was incredibly challenging for them in the culture they were living in when there was so much separation. But that's the reality of a mystery of the gospel. Now I move on to another part in this uh, section that we've heard being read of Ephesians 3, which is the responsibility that we have as a result of discovering the mystery of the gospel. And I want to read verse 7 to verse 13 to remind us what Paul is talking about. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So what is our responsibility? Paul is calling himself a minister of the gospel, a steward over God's grace. So first, our responsibility is to preach the gospel. You and I are called to preach the gospel. 
not Pastor Roger only, not Pastor Taylor, not Pastor Brian, not Pastor Luis. You, my friend, are called to preach the gospel. This is your calling. If we enter the mystery of the gospel, we become responsible. We are inheriting a stewardship over God's grace. And we are called to articulate what the gospel is. David Mathis, who is a contributor to DesiringGod.com, Ministry of John Piper, says this, Mystery is not a secret to keep, but a truth to tell. And I insist on to tell, because you may have heard this famous sentence, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use word. Um, I have come to really disagree with that sentence. It is partially true, but yes, of course, we should display in our lives the reality of our relationship with God, and we should be good examples, and we should really demonstrate what it means to be a Christian. But it's not enough to bring people to uh, knowing Jesus. We need to tell them about Jesus, use words. And Paul is using um, the idea of uh, proclaiming the gospel by telling people about the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 8, we read, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach, mark the word preach, to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So it's preaching about something. There's content. There is um, there's, uh, material there. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, uh, this is what Paul says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery. The riches of the glory of the mystery. Wow. So we are called to tell people about the riches of Christ. But how can we tell them about the riches of Christ if we haven't experienced that ourselves? So there's a responsibility to dig deeper in our relationship with God. There is a responsibility to know how to articulate the gospel. And I want to encourage you to practice that, to read the gospel, to read uh, more about theology. It doesn't mean that you have to become a theologian and know all the technical words. It means you just need to spend some time in the word. This is what it means to be firm in the faith and to fulfill the call and to finish well. Spend some time in the word. Explore who Jesus is. Explore his joy. Explore his peace, what he's done, his miracles and all that. There is so much riches to be discovered in this mystery of Jesus. I want to show you some pictures of some famous libraries in the world. Uh, you'll see behind me on the screen, this is a library in Stockholm, a beautiful library, all these books. It makes me want to walk through that library and, and, and explore. Second picture is a library in China in a city that I can't pronounce, but it's a beautiful library. And the third picture is a library in Dublin. It has over 200,000 books just in that hallway. Very, very old books. And then the fourth picture is in Rio de Janeiro. A beautiful art that you see there, but books surrounding um, all around the walls. And did you know that the Library of Congress has over 39 million books? A lot of books. The reason why I'm mentioning all these libraries is that there's a library for us to explore in Jesus. And listen to what John, the disciple, says at the end of his recounting 
the story of Jesus. In John chapter 21, verse 25, let's hear what he has to conclude about the life of Jesus. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. All these libraries in the world could not contain what Jesus has done, what Jesus has said. If only, my friends, you and I would be uh, stimulated, encouraged to go way deeper with Jesus. There is so much to discover in Jesus Christ. And the more we discover about Jesus, the more we are able to articulate uh, who Jesus is to the world. We need to search into the unsearchable riches of Christ by the Spirit of God. So we preach a gospel that can be articulated uh, as we explore all these unsearchable riches of Christ. And then Colossians chapter 1.28 says, Him we proclaim. It's about proclamation, proclaiming Jesus, Him and Him only. And Paul also in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 19 says this, and I love how he's asking the Ephesians, please pray for me. Pray for me that when... Uh, This is what he says in verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words, words, not just nice gestures, but words will be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We should pray for one another that in our workplaces, in our schools, in our family, when Thanksgiving is around and we're going to be sitting across an an uncle, an aunt, a cousin that doesn't want to do anything with God. We should be praying for one another that God will give us the words, the right words to articulate what the gospel is. Because it comes through word. Now I move on to a second implication of our responsibility which is to display the gospel. And Paul is basically saying that we display the gospel through um, experiencing the gospel in the church. In chapter 3, verse 10 of our section, it says this, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The reality is that as we experience the gospel and demonstrate unity with one another, even if we're very different and we show love to one another, we are an example. We are putting the gospel on display to the world where they can testify these people are real. They have a real relationship with Jesus, and I want that. And it's a mark of credibility. It's a mark of authority, even to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And Paul is writing to the Ephesians who are in a city filled with the occult, with a lot of dark forces at work there. And they could, they could have been very intimidated by all these practices, but Paul is saying to them, you guys, Jews and Gentiles, embrace the gospel together, and as you do that, you will be a witness to the rulers and authorities at work in this city, and you will have power you will be effective, not because you're eloquent, not because you're uh, some kind of cool, fancy church, but because you have experienced the power of the gospel in your church relationships. 
And this is the same calling for us today. If we are able to put aside all our differences and be together in unity in our relationship with Jesus, we will be a witness to the world. The gospel will be on display in our relationships. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how the gospel is displayed, when you have love for one another. Not when you play a good song, when, not when you preach a good sermon, not when um, you have some good lights. Although that, all that is important in a church service, I'm not negating that, but this is how we win the world by our love for one another. When the gospel is displayed with our love for one another, this is the best strategy to show the gospel to the world. And thirdly, we have a responsibility to partake in the gospel. And Paul is wanting to remind them, you should remind yourself of the gospel and enjoy the benefits of the gospel on a daily basis. Because this is how also we are changed. This is how we are different. This is how we are effective too, by living out this message in our own personal lives. This is why in verse 12, uh, Paul says um, this, that in Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We have access. We have this bold access to the throne of grace in Jesus and if we don't enjoy that on a regular basis, we are missing out. We are not really being good stewards over God's grace. You and I have been given the grace to have daily access to Jesus. And we need to remind ourselves that the gospel was not just a one-time event when in a church we came forward and said yes to Jesus. No, it is a movement. It is a relationship we are invited into. And when I fall short every day, I do, I need to remind myself of the gospel over and over again. And I can preach the gospel to myself. When I, uh, I've, I'm short with my kids or my wife, when I get angry, when I get impatient, whatever is going on in our lives, we can go back to this gospel message because, again, it's not just a transaction. It is a relationship, and I need to be reminded of the grace in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the worship band to come back up at this point. And I want to end by saying that you may hear all these things and understand the responsibility that we have, but the good news is that we have been empowered. And Paul is uh, mentioning that in Ephesians 3, 7, when he says that of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So it's by the working of his power that I was called to preach the gospel, to make this mystery known to other people. It's not by my own strength, by my own power, by my own capacity. And you may be fearful today to go out and start articulating the gospel and proclaiming the gospel to people around you, like, man, I don't know enough, or I don't know if I can explain this concept. And sometimes all the questions that people can have can make us very fearful about uh, really embracing this responsibility. But we have been empowered and we have to rely on God's grace that his power will never let us go, never let us uh, down in these moments that we have been filled with the Spirit to accomplish this mission. In Col Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, I've gone back and forth to this passage in Colossians because it's very, very similar to uh, our section in Ephesians 3. Paul says, 
For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You see, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me, this is what you have access to. The Spirit of God filling you, giving you words of wisdom, giving you eyes to see what the needs are around you. But sooner or later, if we've really discovered the mystery of the gospel, we have to accept this responsibility. We cannot hide behind closed door and consider the church to be a castle that we hide into and then we have the bridge go down in the, during the week, try to do our business and then go back and hide back in the castle on Sunday. No, we are called to preach the gospel. Whatever that looks like in your life, and it will go way beyond just being nice to people. And I have to remind myself of that. Even as a pastor, sometimes when we're really caught up in our daily lives of you know, being around Christians and nice people, nice Christians, but that's, that's not just our calling to be nice. Our calling is to really take this message to the world. So I pray that God will stir things up in your heart, in my heart this morning, and help us in a very concrete way to articulate this message of a mystery of the gospel to our neighbors around us. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.